This will be our last week uh, to look at the uh, study of uh, humili humility in our relationships. And so what we'll do tonight is uh, to look at Ephesians 4, 5, and 6. And to give you, um, we're going to work backwards through the text. Um, and the, the purpose is, if you were to look at the Empire State Building in New York City, I had the privilege of going there on a mission trip in 2009. The only time I've been to the top of the, the deck up there where you can walk, I think it's 86th floor. Um, but what's impressive about tall buildings is the top. How tall is it? And then they go up there and when you're on the 86th floor, you look up and there's still a couple hundred feet of other things above you. Uh, so it's a pretty impressive building. Um, but what makes that building structurally sound to go through uh, probably remnants of hurricanes that have come up the coast, blizzards, snowstorms, all kinds of things is the foundation. And the foundation, although maybe not impressive, is probably uh, an architectural marvel uh, to anything that is that tall that I think, man, well, <laughs> how does this not fall over with the wind? And you can feel it move very, very slightly when you're up there, but that building's been standing, I don't know how long. Um, so what we're going to do tonight is start in Ephesians 6 and work our way back to the foundation, which uh, in this study, you can guess where uh, the word we're looking for is humility. Uh, but what we're doing is going to look at the, um, the application tonight of humility. What does a humble life look like in Ephesians 4, 5, and 6. And then we'll, we'll finish. So we're going to start at Ephesians 6. And verses 10 through 20 are some well-known verses about the armor of God. So in, in fighting the uh, with the armor of God in Ephesians 6, we have at the end of that, that there is all prayer, praying at all times in the spirit in verse 18 and making supplication for all the saints. And um, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador. Mm, we've heard that word ambassador before on Sunday morning, 2 Corinthians 5. Uh, and Paul says, I'm an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. What we find as impressive as Christians is evangelism. People that can share the gospel is always and should be impressive to us. How do you how do you get from talking about the weather or the Red Sox or anything to the gospel and someone's need for the gospel and they they listen? Um, and so the, it's spiritual warfare. And we if you ever tried to switch the conversation from, from the secular to the sacred, it is it is, you can tell there's an internal struggle and an external struggle that, um, that you have to overcome uh, with prayer and supplication and, uh, and the armor of God. Uh, so that is like the, the pinnacle of the Christian walk, I think, is, uh, is this uh, using the armor of God to fight against the wiles of the devil. Wiles of the devil, probably primarily he's his lies. So in believing lies, we get shot. In uh, using God's armor, we can deflect or use the whole armor to um, to quench the fiery darts of the wicked or to believe truth. Now, working our way backwards in 
in the text, verses five to nine of chapter six. Um, gets a this whole section is the a walk in wisdom. So a walk in wisdom, um, and where do we need wisdom in verses five to nine of chapter six? Slaves is the word bond servant there, and masters. And how would we apply that today? You probably heard it applied differently than slaves and masters. I haven't heard it. Right. Um, yeah, so day-to-day -day living is pretty much work. You have a boss, um, unless you're self-employed and you're the boss, uh, but you have people working for you. So in humility and relationships, um, we need God's wisdom when it comes to our workplace. Uh, we aren't working for a master, nor do we own slaves. Um, but in a Roman culture, that was very common, which is why uh, Ephesians and Colossians both talk about how to um, how to serve the Lord in this role. So what does he say in verse 5? Bond servants or slaves, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ. Not by the way of eye service, like just when they're watching, uh, as people pleasers, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. It was God's will that you serve your master this way. Yes. So you're actually bond servants or slaves of Christ. So you're not looking at your master saying he's an awful master. You're looking past him and saying, I'm serving Christ. And we have to, we have to do that. And if you have an awful boss, it takes a little more grace and wisdom from God to look past your boss to the one you're really going to work for every day as a Christian. The wise walk is a service to Christ. Even if you're in a slave-master relationship, it takes wisdom. It's going to take a lot of wisdom if you're a slave and have an awful master to know how to please Christ in this. So, But it's, it's possible, okay? It's not impossible. It is possible to always live in a way that pleases God in 2 Corinthians 5, 9, to make, we make it our aim to please him. And we can please him even in slave-master relationships. And today we would say a boss-employee relationship. Back to 6, 1 to 4, we walk in wisdom. We need wisdom where? Not in the workplace, but in the home. Children obeying your parents, uh, honoring your father and your mother, uh, that it may go well with you. You may live long on the earth. And then fathers, don't provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Um, and parenting and honoring your parents till the day they die uh, and even after they're dead to still honor them takes wisdom and a wise walk is possible um, and as James once says when you lack wisdom you ask of God and he gives it to you liberally and so um, but a wise walk um, has very practical day-to-day weekend week out um application and so this is we're going down the building from looking at the skyscraper in the top we're going down to the floors and on on these floors um if you work in a job outside your home inside your home uh verses five to nine are, are helpful verses and discipleship and understanding what god teaches us about the wise walk there if you have children if you train children um if you um have parents uh then you need six one to four uh and then 
5, 22 to 33. Going a little deeper into the home, looking at mom and dad, husbands and wives in a marriage and godly marriages. Uh, everyone who's been married, I was talking to someone this morning who, uh, with his friends, he was saying, uh, I've been married 47 years. And his friends are like, oh, what? That's impossible. How do you do that? <laughs> and he was able to say, yeah, with with Christ. And he was able to share the gospel. Um, and it's possible to live happily ever after if you have God's wisdom. Um, and, a, and a wise walk um, is going to... Uh, be shown in our day-to-day -day wives interacting with husbands, husbands interacting with wives, and learning to submit and learning to love, and all this is with Christ in mind. Verses 15 and um, to 21, this is where we get the word walk. I didn't say this, uh, but if you, I'll show you the words walk as we're working our way backwards. This is the first time it's mentioned as we go backwards from six to four. And if you want to look at 4.1, uh, I'll tell you, this is why we're even using the word walk. Um, I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. If you want to know your calling, God calling you out of darkness into his light, God uh, rescuing you um, and the reasons he does that and your position in the church, all of that is Ephesians 1 to 3. 4 to 6 is how to live because of Ephesians 1 through 3 wonderful truth of of great theology of salvation ephesians one through three but four to six is practical day-to-day -day living and it's it's called the, the christian walk how to walk and we're walking in a manner that's worthy of the calling so a worthy walk requires wisdom and look at verse 15 now chapter five look carefully then how you walk not as unwise but as wise and so making the best use of our time, because the days are evil, therefore don't be foolish, uh, probably they're wasting time, wasting your life, but understand what the will of the Lord is. This is the second time we've seen the will of the Lord, the other time was with the slaves and masters. Um, here is understanding what the will of the Lord is, how do we not waste time? Well, we don't get drunk with wine, that is debauchery, that's a waste of time. And a waste of your life, but be filled with the Spirit. Oh, the Spirit helps us not to waste time. And then this is how we um, spend our time in worship and interacting with people. Verse 19. And all these verbs here have ing, which is intending for us to be an ongoing thing. This is how we walk in wisdom. And if I'm going to go for a walk, how long is it going to take me? Uh, where am I going to go? All these things are answered with, what's the Christian life look like? Well, this is what it looks like. Don't get drunk with wine, but instead, be, let the Holy Spirit control you, not a substance. And when the Holy Spirit controls you, this is what your life's going to look like. Verse 19 says, you'll be addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. You'll be singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Now take that verse and put it in the slave master context. And if your master says, go out and pull weeds or pick cotton or anything else that was required of slaves, and they're out there in the field in blazing hot sun, and they're singing and making melody in their heart to the Lord. Slavery then to them is 
okay it's not it's not pleasant um but they're not doing it for their master primarily they're doing it for the lord and um we can are encouraged in james one when we go through trials what are we supposed to be doing count it all joy we're supposed to be rejoicing so as we go through trials and we gather around God's people and we are addressing one another in songs and hymns and spiritual songs, and we're singing and making melody in our heart to the Lord, it's going to spill out in our worship. This is a very good use of time. And as requires the Holy Spirit's control, look at verse 20. Some more ING words here. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. How can we tell someone's spirit control? They're walking wisely. What does a wise walk look like? It looks like nothing takes away their song. Like they're constantly singing. And some people don't sing great out loud. <laughs> but no one can take the song out of your heart unless you're willing to not do this. And when the Spirit's controlling you, you are joyful in your heart, worshiping God, and you're giving thanks always. And you're always looking for something to give thanks for. Because it says here, for everything. And this sounds like First Thessalonians 5, um, 18. It says we're to, um, in everything, give thanks. And then finally here, verse 21 says, submitting to one another. This is constant. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Mm -hmm. Putting yourself under someone else. And this sounds like Philippians 2 from last week. That we're counting other people's needs greater than our own. And we are submitting to one another. Why? Not out of uh, a duty, but out of reverence for Christ. We're doing it for Christ. Everything about the Christian life is for Christ. It's not really about us. So a wise walk um, starts in verse 15 and goes probably through the wife, husband, through the parent, child, through the, um, the, the master, slave, and uh, today, the boss, employee, the work relationships, and and the armor of God, and evangelism uh, there at the end. So this is how a wise walk is. We're going to have to speed up a little bit here and just look at the other walks. In verse 8, you will see walk as children of light. And so we are to walk in light, um, trying to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. I'm taking no part, verse 11, I'm in Ephesians 5, 11, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them, for it's shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. This sounds like Sunday's messages, and I didn't realize Sunday, the Pastor Ty's message, uh, the Sunday school for the parents, and my message all dovetailed around the theme of holiness and fearing God, was the theme of, of those three messages that are from different plates of places in scripture and God put them together and we didn't coordinate that. <laughs> that was God doing that. Um, and this, this passage also says that we walk as children of light um, and it requires uh, wisdom and it, we'll see what it most requires at the, at the base of, of our um, skyscraper. Verse one of chapter five. Walk in love as Christ has loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God, but sexual immorality and all impurity and covetousness must not even be named among you as proper among saints. And it talks about other ways of filthiness and foolish talk and crude joking and other things that just don't have any place in the Christian's life. So the world says immorality and purity is actually love. 
and love is love. And we say, oh no, we don't define love by our feelings. <laughs> love is defined here in scripture by um, as Christ has loved us. How did, what did his love look like? It was self-sacrificing. It's the same love that the husband's supposed to have for his wife. And here it is fleeing immorality and impurity and covetousness and anything that's um, filthiness or crude joking or anything off color has no part in the Christian's life. Why? Because we're walking in love. So chapter five talks in verse two about the walk in love. Verse uh, eight, walk as children of light. And verse 15 and following is walking in wisdom. Go back to chapter four and verse 17. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. So he's going to explain how the Gentiles walk. And we have talked the last four or five weeks of humility of life and, and relationships. And we've looked at how a humble person thinks. And tonight we're looking at how they live. But how do the Gentiles think? Well, we're told here in verse 17. Their walk is based on what they think. Okay, so how do they live? And we can tell how they live according to what Paul says here. Uh, this is how they live in the futility or emptiness of their minds. They don't think about why they're living, how they're living. They're just living. Why are you going to work? Just to make money. Why are you, why are you making money? So I can save and have, why are you saving? So I can give it to my kids. Well, Ecclesiastes says, what if your kids are foolish and they waste all your money? And your whole life was to set them up financially and they go out and blow it. Like if you had talked to the prodigal son's dad and said, your son just wasted his, all, all his inheritance with riotous living. Um, he's obviously grieved with that. Um, but he lived in the futility of his mind. It continues, verse 18. This is how the Gentiles walk. They're darkened in their understanding. They don't understand. And they're alienated. They're alienated is the word for a foreigner. They're foreigners from the life of God. They just aren't connected to God and the life that, that he gives. Why are they alienated from the life of God? Because of the ignorance that is in them. They just don't know God. So we feel bad. We have sympathy and compassion on the lost because their understanding is darkened. They, they walk in the futility of their minds. They are, they, uh, the life of God is a foreign thing to them. They aren't experiencing it. They aren't enjoying it. And they just don't know any better. Now, why are they, and it, it keeps progressing here in verse 18. The last phrase says, due to their hardness of heart, they don't want to know God. Before you and I were saved, we didn't want to know God either, according to Romans 3. There's none who seeks after God. We seek our own way. And God, with the law and with um, with our conscience and with the word and with probably someone witnessing to us, um, convinced us. And the Holy Spirit drawing us and softening our heart, as we saw Sunday, that replacing this heart of stone with a heart of flesh. This is all work of God. But this is how the Gentiles live. And we're, we're said here, in, we're told here in verse 17, not no longer walk this way. You can't live like there's no purpose in life. You can't live like you don't understand. You cannot live 
like you don't know or you're a foreigner in the life of God, like you don't belong in the church or in, in God's family. You, you can't say, I don't know as a Christian, or you can't say, I don't want to know with a hard heart. None of those excuses fly for God's people because we can't walk as the Gentiles. And verse 19, and they have become callous. As you harden your heart, as we see in Romans 1, 2, your heart gets harder. Uh, you start developing callousness toward the Holy Spirit, toward evangelism, toward other uh, people that are going to be helpful for you. And you just get callous toward the things of the Lord. And you don't really care about even eternity. The lake of fire doesn't phase you. And what? How can you get here? Well, this is the progression. We're not supposed to walk this way. And when the, you reach this point of callousness, you've, they've given themselves up to sensuality and greed, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. And you start inventing sin. You want to get other people to sin with you. This is the life of the Gentiles. Who, and we're to not walk this way. And look at verse 20. But this is not the way you've learned Christ. Okay, this is exactly opposite of the Christian life. We don't live like the Gentiles. We no longer are going to walk like that. And we hear, how have we learned Christ? Verse 21, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, which you live this way and is corrupt through deceitful desires, your heart following your heart and your deceitful desires are telling you you should go after sin and it's destructive to you and people around you. Put that off. Verse 23, you're renewed in the spirit of your minds and put on the new self created after the likeness of God. And uh, the new American standard, I think, translates it in righteousness and holiness of the truth. So righteousness and holiness in the truth. What we need to fight against Satan's lies and our deceitful desires is God's truth. This is it. And think about the progression of verses 17, 18, and 19. And when the truth is neglected and re resisted and rebelled against, this is the pattern of living. This is the walk. But whenever the truth is embraced, verses 25 to 32 is the pattern of living for the Christian. This is what the Christian life looks like when you are putting off, renewing your mind and putting on, which is going to remind people of Christ and how God creates in us a new person who's alive. And why does he make us alive? So that we can live out righteousness and holiness of the truth. Verse 25, therefore, having put, a, having, uh, put, away, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor truthfulness and what God saved us from to do is very clear in this passage. So we walk in truth. So lying is never appropriate for walking uh, behind Christ. Verse 26, be angry and don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. And he gives, he gives us reasons for these commands for putting off. And he says, for we are members of one another, verse 25, or you're going to give the devil an opportunity in verse 27 if you let the sun go down on your wrath. In verse 28, let the thief who no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work. Why are we doing that? So that you can have something to share with someone who has need. Verse 29, let no corrupt talk come out of your mouths, but only such which is good for the building up. Why? Uh, that it may give grace 
to those who hear. Wow, giving grace to people who hear us talk is how the Christian needs to, to talk. Verse 31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave us. Such a beautiful verse. <laughs> in context, it is, the, it is the worthy walk. This is how we walk. This is day-to-day, day-in, day-out, controlled by the Holy Spirit, interacting in our homes, in our workplace, um, and even as we fight against the wiles of the devil. This is how we walk, not as the Gentiles. And, okay, that's, that's the structure of the building. And it's a beautiful building whenever we walk like Christ because we are being transformed into the image of Christ. And people can see in us these physical bodies, as we saw last Sunday, the holiness of God. And here, verse 24 says that God is creating us after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. We are are an accurate representation of the righteousness and holiness of our true God. So what is the foundation for this worthy walk? We'll end here back in chapter four, verse one and two. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. And if you stop with that verse, we would say, what does that mean, Paul? And how do I do it? And he answers the question, how do I do it in verse two? With all humility. That's it. That is the key to the worthy walk, having all humility. And when you see in James 1, count it all joy, it means only joy. When you go through trials, only joy should be the response to your trials. When you are thinking about walking in a manner worthy that of which you've been called, you've been called out of darkness into his light, you've been dead and now you're made alive, and what you see in Ephesians 1 through 3. When you've been chosen by God, and you're walking in a manner worthy, this is how you walk, with just humility. Just humility. Pride has no part in the Christian life. And what makes the Christian life sturdy, stable, throughout all the storms, is the foundation. And the foundation of the Christian life is walking with all humility and gentleness. See that there in verse 2. With all humility in gentleness, with patience, the word bearing there is tolerate, tolerating with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. He goes on to list the, the unity. And you saw in James 3 um, that there was unity. And Philippians 1, there was unity. Uh, Philippians 1 and 2, there was unity. And then there was humility. Now here we're told there is humility. And we are eager to maintain the unity with this humility. You cannot, we cannot, as Christians, live in a manner worthy of our Savior. We cannot do anything that follows Ephesians 4, 2. We can't do any of that without the Holy Spirit. Without God, I need you. I cannot put away wine and speak to you. I cannot be kind. I cannot root out bitterness and anger and, and wrath out of my heart. I cannot stop provoking my kids' anger. I cannot love my wife 
like Christ of the church. I cannot submit to this boss who is unreasonable. Right? You can't. But God can through you, and it requires us to have all humility. And when you have all humility, the foundation is strong. If the foundation of any house or structure is not sound, that's where you start if you're going to work on a house. Make sure the foundation's strong. And if you're going to work on a life or you're going to work on your life and help your children and disciple others here at church, look for all humility. And if all humility is not there, a desire for all humility, that's where you start. Okay. The, the rest comes. <laughs> it's the building. But the foundation is this is what a, a manner worthy of our calling looks like. And Christ, as we've seen last week, shows us perfectly what that looks like at the cross. So we, we have an example, we have a command, and we have uh, just learned to walk this way. This is how you walk. And we can encourage each other as we strive to live uh, the Christian life. It doesn't matter what's going on around us. No one can make you proud. No one can make you not humble. And no one can force you to be humble either. It's a choice. And uh, may God give us grace uh, to choose to live in this way.